The Havrusa, featuring Rabbi Avraham Kibalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch, directed by Jeff Osias. From Chicago, this is The Havrusa. I'm Rabbi Avraham Kibalevich. And I'm Rabbi Kalman Warch. And tonight we want to discuss an issue that some have described as a nagging social problem, especially among American Jews. And that is the struggle to find a soulmate, the struggle to find your bashert. In other words, what we want to talk about tonight is the topic of Shaduchim. The topic of Shaduchim is a wide, very vast, very big topic, and it's um, there, there are too many details for us to cover today. Um, I think what we can do, though, is focus on the methods that are used to find the soulmate, and there are actually quite a few different methods um, that this is done. I think that considering our perspective, common, we're coming from, we're going to stay within pretty much the bounds of what you would call normative or orthodoxy in terms of finding shaduchim. Obviously, there's things that we're going to discuss that um, probably leave certain elements out, but we're going to discuss it from a perspective that we're familiar with. And I guess we should start with... Well, we could start with the uh, classic method, which is the shadchan. Yeah, and I guess the uh, background here is is that the a person contacts two families. Now, the parents of the prospective groom and bride might not even have gone themselves down this way. But as America has advanced here and religiously, they've decided that the way they want their children to get married is through the path of Shaduchim, the path of the yeshivasha element. That is what they want to stress. And therefore, the Shadchan contacts each party. Okay, now the way this works is the Shadchan, um, who is any person who might know the um, family, might not know both families so well. It could be a professional Shadchan, it could be the best translation for Shadchan, of course, is a matchmaker. What he does is he um, has an idea for a um, certain match, and he presents it to both sides. And um, the the people can either go along with it or not go along with it. But what's so unique about this method is that the Shadchan has almost nothing to do with the actual date. Well, I think what happens here is that in this classic format, when... They're, we're talking about two young people who both, who are blessed with parents, and the parents are the ones that are approached. The shatran approaches each side, and then the parents engage in amazing research, research in order to find out who this person is. Now, the Chavetz Chaim already tells us in his classic work on Loshon Hara that when you are going to try to find out about someone who is going to be your partner or your partner in life as a shidduch, the rules of Lashon Hara that we normally expect to apply don't. You're trying to find out the details of the character and the nature of who that person is. Normally, the parents go through a tremendous amount of time painstakingly trying to find out about who this person is from the community that they come from. Calvin, I understand this is the way it's done, and in terms of pure Lush and Harif, they're 
trying to do the right thing for the sake of their child, to find out who the right man or woman is. But unfortunately, what I think happens is is that the families get involved in the ridiculous details and they lose sight of what's important. And it turns into a period of just mucking up enough negative things about the other side that a lot of these shaduchim die before they ever get a chance. Are you questioning some of the standards that people have? I don't deny that every parent has a right to want the best for their child. But I think what they start looking into, for example, I remember there was an issue of what sort of tablecloth that they put on the table on Shabbos. What exactly was the shaitel style that the bride's, prospective bride's mother has? I think it's devoting themselves to these petty things and losing sight of what's really important. I don't know how petty these things are. Again, these these people are, um, these are the parents who are trying to help their children decide um, who they should attempt to go out with. And you have to build certain standards. You have to give certain limits because if you don't, you end up with problems later. I think that um, you can never, ever do too much research if if there are... Now, again, if you're gonna, going to say no to someone because of something stupid, once you're already going out and everything is going well, that's one thing. But if you there nothing's gotten anywhere, you just say, well, we would like to try with someone who is more with our standards, then... Well, that shouldn't bother anyone. Well, I understand that all society has certain things that they use as a vetting process. Uh, but many of these things that they use, many of these benchmarks that they use to indicate whether a person is right for a certain job or a certain position or for a certain boy or girl, are, are small. And I think... But it's not sp- the thing itself. It's what it represents. I understand. But I think that what happens is is that the parents forget about the questions of character and emotional compatibility. I don't think they forget about it. I I just think that they don't allow it to get up to that point before you have the basic things that they need and that they require to have. I I think it's um, perfectly fair for any parent to be able to say, well, I'm not going to um, suggest to my child to go out with someone who can't at least conform to basic ideas. It's not basic ideas. It's a certain... It's things that represent basic ideas and certain um, feelings The way we are, the way our family is, what we think stands for religiosity. I don't believe that these symbols of tablecloth or exact hairstyle have the imprimatur of the Gedolius role. These are things that society sort of came up with. I don't doubt that all societies have similar things, but it bothers me that in Jewish Shaduchim, these should play such a large role. In fact, I, I think that part of the reason that we have this unprecedented uh, analysis and over-analysis over all these small points that we see parents getting involved in is because they are probably trying to compensate. In the old days, as we're going to talk about later, even in some areas today, the complete process was under the control of the parents. And therefore, uh, they steered everything. Today, because we know that 
there's going to come a time, like you said, that they're going to meet each other, the couple, and from that point on, it's going to be their ship to steer. The parents overcompensate beforehand and want to check everything out to make sure everything is perfectly the way it should be, sort of like a throwback to the way it was. You're making it sound like it's a negative, the fact that the children themselves get to go out without um, um, being affected as much by the parents. I think uh, I think it's a positive that the today the um, decisions are actually made by the people themselves, rather than the uh, parents who are. Well, one second. We're we're to... talking about this classic model, the way you described it. With although I would say it's more the yeshivish method or the method we were familiar with. It has this a combination. It has the intense parental scrutiny in the beginning. And then once the couple gets together, then it's more like what we know is the romantic situation of boy meets girl. Now, you're asking me, Kalman, do I think it's wrong that it just should be boy meets girl? Of course, all I can say is is that it's one thing when you have boy meets girl and the boy and the girl understand the world. They don't come from the sheltered societies that the yeshiva world develops, that they understand a little bit about the interaction between the sexes, whereas many of our young people that we're sending into these dates, and now they have to decide, they don't really know what's good for each other. And many of them get swept off their feet by a statement or a sentiment, and we have to look at the facts. Um, I, I don't know about that. You're making it um, uh, sound like the that turns out to be a problem, the fact that the kids are going out. I think maybe you, you do make a point that the children should be better educated um, as to what they should be looking for, what they should focus on, but I don't think the problem is that they get to make the decision. And, and as to calling them kids or children, um, we're talking about adults here. We're talking about people who are between the ages of 18 and 25 normally. I mean, these are people who understand what they want. They know what they're looking for. This is what they've been training for. This is what they've been preparing for. Well, Coleman, you have to pardon my referring to them as children or as kids, but the road of life will teach them quite a bit. And they are young. And even though I remember myself at that age thinking that I had the world by the tail, there was, in, in many ways, I was still a kid, and I could have probably benefited from parental input during that essential time. I agree with you. The children should be taught. They should be able to make the decision better um, if they are taught more. But again, the decision should be theirs. I think um, in today's society, um, we need that the uh, boy should meet the girl, the girl should meet the boy, and they should um, take it from there. The problem is, Kalman, is that when when they are meeting each other, again, they don't, their expectations are unrealistic. And I I hate bringing this up, but I think that we have to look at the reality of the divorce rate among the Orthodox couples of today, and we have to wonder how many of them might have been the served better. The divorce rate They might have been served better by being the better prepared. The cause of the rise in the divorce rate is not because of the um, rise of the amount of people that are um, choosing their own shidduch instead of having their parents I wasn't, decide I wasn't them. saying that. I was saying that the people who are... When, they, when they're in that the, pivotal moment... The rise moment. in the divorce rate is because of um, society today, all its um, derogatory influences, all the um, influences that we get from the outside that are telling us to um, misbehave, to do things. Ultimately, divorces result because the life 
the way it happens day in and day out is not like what they expected. It wasn't supposed to be this way. This is not the reason I started it. If it's because of the lack of of, of preparation and expectation that divorce ensues. You're right. In some ways, it could be because... But it has nothing to do with how or the methods that were used to find the Shadach. I I would be um, shocked if that's what you're trying to infer. I'm not saying that all divorces are due to the fact that Shaduchim, boys and girls go on Shaduchim by themselves without their parents. What I'm saying is is that the high divorce rate among the Orthodox Yeshivish couples has to do with an immaturity and a lack of understanding maybe from the parents and the kids as to what marriage is about and what they can really get from from a Shidduch. Many of these kids go into the dates mouthing the party lines that they've heard from their seminaries and Yeshivot and they're not seeing the people in front of them as human beings and because of that they go through the motions like robots and then when life hits them in the face they're not able to Chive that with what they've studied before, well, and that I'm not leads clear to at problems. This point how you're involving this with the idea of shidduch? Because I'm saying sometimes parents who are realistic and understand things are able to better coach their kids, maybe even stopping them from going out for a while till they're emotionally mature and more savvy about life in the world. So then they can maybe make a better choice about who they need to live with for the rest of their lives. Now, um, I don't deny Kalman that the world that we live in, especially in America, is, as you said, a derogatory, a negative one, and those influences are indeed powerful. But I think it's a total picture we have to look at. Uh, Speaking about um, outside influences, I know there's some powers that be outside that want to influence you to buy their products, and therefore the Chavrusa will be going weiter after these messages. You're listening to The Chavrusa with Rabbi Avram Kivalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch on the Torah Radio Network Internet Archive at www.torahradio.net. The Chavrusa can be heard every Monday evening on the Torah Radio Network Daily Show from 8 to 9 p.m. Central on AM 1080 WNWI Oaklawn, Chicago, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern on AM 680-690 WNZK Dearborn Heights, Detroit. Or you can hear it live at www.torahradio.net. And now we return to the Chavrusa on the Torah Radio Network Internet Archive at www.torahradio.net. We're back, and we're talking about Shadokim and the different methods that are used for one to find a soulmate. I think one of the methods that we should bring up to discuss is what's called in some places arranged marriages. And sometimes these are um, so extreme that the actual boy and girl don't meet before the wedding. The parents meet each other and they decide, you have a boy, I have a girl, let's have them married, and then they meet. Um, And this is very extreme. It's actually getting more and more uncommon for this to happen. But this is still going on. And I think it's a very interesting way for... um, um, children to meet because it happens to be that the divorce rate that we'd spoken about before is quite lower. Well, this is this is probably the way it's done in because in, in, th- in Hasidic th- communities. Not because the parents are just so good at finding shidduchim, which is what you seem to be inferring before. I think it's more because they look at marriage with a different um, point of view. Um, marriage is more of something you have to do instead of something that you're doing for fun. Well, I think um, I think another reason, if you want to know why in arranged marriages the divorce rate is lower, 
the expectations are different, society is different, and the stigma connected with divorce, I think, is a lot stronger. I think the more yeshiva society, which is, we don't want to call it modern, but I think it's more accepted that perhaps a divorce could take place. This, the type of super arranged marriages that we're talking about, the extremely arranged marriages, occur in the Hasidic world. But let me ask you something, Kalman. How do they decide who should go with which, which boy should go with which girl? Well, I, actually, I, I do know some people that have been married in this way. It's usually um, done from with um, parents who have the same background, the same um, um, social status, the same beliefs, even. And if the boys and girls are of age and the parents feel that they are similar in some way and they would get along, they would make well, and this whole marriage is good for everyone, then they get married. I think we've seen a little bit of this here in the Midwest, here in Chicago, where we have a number of Hasidic families that have staged large weddings where they, one great Hasidic dynasty supposedly with another. Um, but I think you said that there's, this is an extreme version. I think even in the arranged marriages, there's another style, right? Yeah, well, um, again, the the uh, version I just said was very extreme. There is the less extreme where the parents meet each other and they say, well, I have a boy, you have a girl. And then the boy and girl actually do get to meet and see whether it goes well or not. Of course, the parents are hovering over them um, throughout this meeting. I wouldn't even call it a date, but more of a meeting. And It sounds like this was the milieu that you grew up in. Well, I, I do know a lot of people and uh, around me there were many people who got married this way. And there are some problems with this. I mean, they wouldn't consider it so much of a problem, but the fact is that some of these boys have been taught that having any association with girls is taboo, and therefore they have a hard time communicating with the girl, which which is why the parents are really the ones who are pushing them so much, because they know better what the boy really so wants. Let's, let, so for our listeners and for my edification, there's one meeting. Basically, there isn't a whole dating process as opposed to what we talked about before the break. But there's basically it's decided that this is a good match and there's one meeting that the couple has. And and this meeting, again, the decision has not been made. The um, meeting is for the boy and girl to say, okay, this is not so bad. I can handle this. And then the parents work out the rest, whether it is or not. Well, well, how much pressure does there exist on the boy and the girl to accept. They obviously realize their parents have invested stuff in this well, already. Well, there is quite a lot of pressure. But, again, the if they, the, either of the kids gives a valid reason and they, they say, well, this even, even a reason that one might not consider so much, like this person is not good enough looking or something like that. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Would that be considered a, a, a reason to uh, put off? A potential suitor because they didn't look good enough, even in the again, world. The, par- the parents are not stupid. I mean, they they realize that if the girl is going to be someone that the boy cannot handle because um, he's so much more better looking than her, then they they would take that into account. In some cases where that wouldn't matter so much because there are other things to make up for it, and the boy would not want, for example, if the girl is very smart but the boy doesn't care, he wants a good looking girl. I think I think the parents would uh, take into account his um, his opinions and his um, wishes. Well, we all know how much in the general world, how much effort the girls put into looking good for this for the shidduch or for the date. How about this meeting shidduch? Do the girls also dress up completely for Again, it? Again, bringing up the looks issue. For, um, 
what's interesting is that most of these boys have a hard time even looking at the girl because they've been taught that um, this is not something that boys should be doing. And therefore, they don't focus as much on the girl's looks. And even those that do focus, the girls don't necessarily dress themselves up in the same way that one would for a usual date. They'll put on a nice dress, but not to make themselves look nice because then they would be um, immodest. And some of these girls are even going to end up um, shaving their heads, which is a, a practice that's done amongst certain sects, where after they get married, the woman shaves her head. And therefore, um, what's the point of curling hair when um, this will probably be the last time the boy will see it? Brings up an interesting uh, issue that I, through researching this show, I actually came across a question uh, written by in the Shevet Levy by Rabbi Vosner from Mene Brock. The question came up about a couple that was very close to getting married, and the girl had some sort of medical issue which had passed. It was no longer a problem with her, but it had left her temporarily without hair. And because of that, she wore a shaitel, and throughout the whole dating process, she went out with the boy wearing this shaitel, and the boy had no idea that it was indeed a shaitel. When the rabbi, who was involved in being Masada Kedushin, I believe, heard that this indeed was not her hair, the question arose, and he asked Rabbi Vosner, should he inform the prospective groom that this girl that he had been dating all this time, this wasn't her real hair? Yeah, first of and all, he, I think this is a classic in... um, example of the boy actually not realizing, not focusing so much on the girl's looks. Right? Or because it might have been a great shaitel. You could never tell. I mean, yeah, there I are shaitels today that could do... If the boy didn't realize that it wasn't her real hair, he must have had some kind of a, a issue. Well, part of what Rabbi Vosner deals with is because since they were planning anyway on cutting her hair, that maybe he, the rabbi had no reason to bring this issue up. I think this really gets into the a second point that maybe we should have raised before the break, which is we talked about the research that's done by parents, and I talked about how ridiculous it sometimes gets, whether it's Lush and Hara or not. But then there's another issue of when you see a couple that's going out and you happen to know things about that couple, how much does it is it incumbent upon you to get involved I, I and maybe say things? Yeah, I mean, some of these things um, come up all the time um, where someone sees something that um, the boy or girl had previously done or something about them, whether it be a health issue or um, anything like that, that yeah, or you perhaps, know would affect the decision. Or perhaps, let's say, not so long ago, the girl might have been engaged or the boy might have been engaged. Is that considered, are, are you justified in bringing that issue up? Normally those things are found out about, but many times you go to a different city and these are things which the the bride and groom, prospectively, are blissfully ignorant. Should you tell someone these type of things? When do you get involved for the betterment of the couple that they should know about this? Uh, These are very important issues. I think that you have to be very careful in Lashon Hara and perhaps erring the other way too. Perhaps there's an illness or something in the family. Right. And sometimes if you don't tell, you end up being on the wrong side because you've caused major problems. Um, uh, for example, in on economic issues, which I know although they shouldn't be, are actually a greater issue than they are. So if a parent claims to have money that they really don't have and they um, say, well, we're going to provide a certain amount towards the couple and someone knows that they're actually lying, and they don't have that money. So 
and whether or that's whether actually, or not, that's actually dealt with by the Chofetz Chaim directly, and I believe in Hilchas Rachilus Klal Tess. I think he deals with it there. Sorry for showing off a little bit keys here. But I think he actually deals with that issue. And he talks about how that sometimes, even though you know the parent doesn't seem to have money, but sometimes promises, especially for the sake of the daughter, are kept, even though the person doesn't seem to have that much money. But I think we've jumped a little bit off, off topic. I think we should probably finish off with another style of shidduchim, especially one that has become prevalent today. And I think that many of the the younger people that were either part of the yeshivish method, the ultra-Hasidic method, or moderate Hasidic method, and let's say it didn't work out. Many of them actually did not. And many of those young people became young adults and older adults and found themselves in their 30s and sometimes 40s, single, but still wanting to live within uh, a religious milieu. What has developed within the last 20 years are organized singles events where these people go on trips sometimes, even a Club Med-style trip to some island that's kosher, where you'll have these young adults go there, all under, uh, it's all glot kosher, of course, there's shiurib, but it's really an excuse to bring the people together. Many of these trips and speeches are sanctioned by the highest Orthodox authorities because they recognize that we've got to get these people married. There's another machla, there's another affliction, which is a tremendous amount of older single people out there not finding anything. But I, I think um, you're completely correct in saying that these people are um, stuck and therefore we need to find different methods for them. But the fact is that it's not just the older adults that are using this method. There are a lot of younger kids today who could go through the process of Shatchanus. They could um, have something suggested to them, yet they go out and find on their own. These could be kids that rejected their family's ways. These could be kids that rejected the ways of their school. And they do find things on their own. And sometimes it it turns out to be an advantage for them. And many times it turns out to be a disadvantage for them. Well, I think that... I don't think there's a problem of those kids falling in with our older shaduchim because there the organizers have an age limit that you've got to be at least in your mid-20s to become part of the group. So, But you're saying that once they see that there are religious people going around like many of their grandparents or parents in the 40s and 50s just meeting people in the street and the supermarket or what have you, that you think that this represents a problem of of some social problem. It does, because many of these children, they only met um, because they liked each other's looks or they were in the same school, and they don't really focus on the plans for the future, how they plan to live a life, and they just get caught up in it, and then they decide, okay, um, we really like each other, let's get married. Well, wait a second. That's, and that's then, when the parents But they're have not to, prepared. Well, that's when the parents have to come these in. These people are rejecting the parents. Maybe we should educate children, not so much on the method and how they should use shatchanus for, to find their best. Maybe we should teach people um, what marriage is really about. I think there's actually a sort of lack of that in the schools to actually explain married life. I, I think the closest um, they came to in the days when I was yeshiva was the mashkiach 
the um, counselor mostly of the um, students um, tried to explain that your roommate was your practice for the future. Uh, and I think it's completely insufficient. I mean, yeah, we know from married life that... Bordering on a little bit strange, too. I, I, I could tell you that having taught at a modern high school, I do remember that there, on a number of occasions that the kids were prepped about what married life might be and and Shalva and other organizations came and did speak to them. So I think that education is on the rise, Kalman. Um, I think part of the reason, though, some of these kids might be going that method, not just because it's easy and it's fun, because they might fear some of the problems that we've brought up tonight of the shidduch system, because they might be afraid to let themselves be put under the microscope. Now, if, especially if they don't have parents shielding them. Many people who try to go into the shidduch world who are bali tshuva, who come without parents to support them, find themselves being burnt for things they didn't even do. And maybe it's easier for them to try uh, something just off the street rather than having it being arranged for them. Well, Kamen, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to be paired together as a shidduch, at least for this program. And for our program in general. But that's about all the time we have for tonight. He's Rabbi Kalman Warch. But Kalman, stick around because have I got an idea for you? I don't know. I'll see if I can hook you up. The Chavrusa features Rabbi Avram Kivalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch and is directed by Jeff Osias.